So this morning it says in your bulletin that the, 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 the scripture is supposed to be light, or the, the this message is life in the water. And uh, we'll do that one next week. Yes, Lord willing. You'll have to come back to hear that one. So there's not going to be any scriptures on the, on, on the wall or on the screens, and there's not going to be a, a message, message slide. That's okay. You know, what they do 50 years ago when they didn't have these? You know? We've gotten so dependent on these, and we need to break our dependence on those and these. I've seen that several times on, on Facebook. We don't go anywhere without our phones. How many of you? You don't go anywhere with your phone, without your phone. You walk out the door and you, oh, I forgot my phone. We should be the same way with the word of God. We should be that meticulous about taking the word of God with us wherever we go. Don't leave home without it. Is that American Express? Don't leave home without it. Your Bible, don't leave home without it. And use it. Don't be afraid to use it. Don't be afraid to use it. Because it's power. And it's life. And it's how you stand up to the enemy. Because Jesus didn't, when he was tempted in the desert, first thing that he said was what? It is written. It is written. Now, he didn't have the Bible with him because it was in here. He'd hid it in his heart. He knew it. Lesson. And that's not even the message this morning. So. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the spirit that's here. We thank you for every person that's here this morning, God, because you ordained for each person that's in this room to be in this room at this point in time. Father, this is a divinely appointed encounter. And Lord, I pray that we would meet you face to face this morning and that we would hear you and we would obey. And Father, that we would be doers of the word and not just hearers only. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your spirit. Bless this word and anoint me as I preach it in Jesus' name. Amen. So the, first, the scripture, my text this morning is found in Genesis 37, 19. And it says this. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. And that's it. Here comes that dreamer. Here comes that dreamer. The scripture is talking about, is in reference to Joseph's brothers. And his brothers, and I guarantee you, his brothers didn't say, here comes that dreamer. His brothers were saying, here comes that dreamer. With disdain in his voice, in their voices. They had murder in their hearts. They didn't like their brother. Why? Because not only was he his, their father's favorite, he was a dreamer. He was a dreamer. See, God is looking for people like Joseph who will dare to dream. Oh, that should... God's looking for people who, are dare, who would dare to dream. And I'm not talking about going to sleep and dreaming. Because our subconscious can make us have some really weird dreams. But the Holy Spirit can also come in and make us have some really awesome dreams. I don't know if I mentioned this while we were on vacation, when we were at Legoland, we slept in the pirate room. <laughs> pirate themed. Matter of fact, on the wall above the bed was a 
a Lego, a Lego sculpture of a pirate head and crossbones, skull and crossbones, with a pirate hat. I had weird dreams every night we were in that room. I even told my wife, man, I had weird dreams last night. She goes, what were they? I said, I don't remember. I just remember they were weird. It's because of the influence. It was that influence. Because when we left there and went to the other hotel for the next couple of nights, I slept well. No dreams. But God's looking for dreamers. Let me tell you this. If you look at Joseph's life, dreaming is dangerous work. Dreaming, we're looking, seeing it, looking at Joseph's life, that can get you into trouble. But if you're going to dream, and I pray that you do, and I pray that you will, there are things that you're going to need in your life. There's things that you're going to have, the characteristics that are going to have to be part of your life if you're going to dream, and you're going to dream big. God's not looking for people with small dreams. He's looking for obedient people to carry out the dreams that he gives you. And God doesn't dream small. What's the scripture say? I have not seen nor ear heard the things that God has in store for those who love him. God dreams big for you. You need to dream big. First thing that you need. Am I too loud? Okay. Seems too loud to me, so. I just don't want to blast anybody's ears out when, you know, trying to be thoughtful. The first thing you need if you're going to dream is you got to have courage. You've got to have courage to dream. See, because what's going to happen is when you dream, your dream is going to wake up your adversaries. You're going to dream and you're going you're to speak your dream and you're going to say your dream, hopefully, and that's going to wake up your adversaries, the people who are, going to be, who are going to come against you, the people who are going to be naysayers, the people who are going to rain on your parade. See, because Joseph was hated by his brothers. Why? Because he put his dream into words. Now, I don't know if that was a really the wisest thing he could have done at that particular point in time. <laughs> but he verbalized his dream. So what does that tell us? What does that tell us? That we need to verbalize the dream that God places in our hearts. Why? Because when we verbalize it, we come into agreement with what God has in store and with what God has said. The, the scripture says, life and death are in the power of the tongue. And I heard somebody preach on that a couple weeks ago, and it was talking about, no, you, don't, you can't speak life and you can't speak death but what happens is when you speak, whatever you speak, whether it's negative or positive, whether it's whatever the, the, word, the, the word says or whatever the enemy says, when you speak it, you come into agreement because they speak death and life. They are the providers of death and life, and you agree with one or the other. That's why the scripture says you can't ter- serve two gods. You're either in agreement with one and disagreement with the other or in agreement with the other and disagreement with that one. When we speak, we have to come into agreement and come into alignment with what God has placed in our hearts and with what God has said. And where do we find what God said? And your dream will line up with what the Word says. If it doesn't, you better take a look at where your dream came from. See, because the enemy doesn't care how much you can imagine and how much you dream as long as you keep it to yourself. Because he knows that if it's, not, if it's unspoken, it will die unborn. 
And a lot of times, the greatest resistance that we have, where do you think it comes from? It comes from the people who are closest to us. It comes from our brothers and sisters in the Lord. You can't do that. God didn't tell you that. Kind of like Noah. Right? We got to be Noah's. We don't care what people say. And why do our brothers and sisters in Christ, they get upset with us when we verbalize our dreams? It's because we're upsetting the apple cart. We're upsetting the status quo. We're upsetting the same old, same old. Because people get comfortable and they don't want to come out of their comfort zones. And when you dream, your dream takes you to a place you've never been before. It takes you out of your comfort zone. And most folks don't want to come out of that comfort zone. Why? Because it's comfortable. It's like, yeah. I don't want to have to work. I don't want to have to do anything. I just want to sit here and relax. Sit here and just worship the Lord. That's fine, but there's also work to do. See, a lot of those people, they don't have vision or purpose in their lives. They want the things to stay the same. How many of you want things to stay the same? i tell you something. One of the first things that I heard when we got here almost... Well, this is going on our fifth year, so it was four years ago. One of the first things I heard was, Pastor, we want change. <laughs> I'll think they realized what they had said. Because <laughs> I'm all about that. I'm all about moving out of the status quo. I'm all about, if, you have, if you've been around here any length of time, you know that. I don't want grass growing under my feet. Because that means that I'm not doing what God put me here to do. See, Genesis 37, 11 says, His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. See, Joseph's dream woke up adversity in his brothers. And that's what you, when you speak your dream, you're waking up the adversity that's in someone else. His brothers envied him. How many of you have ever known somebody that's, that's a dreamer and you kind of go, wow, I wish I was like that? You know? Let me tell you what envy is. Envy is discontent or resentful longing aroused by another's possessions or qualities. Their envy was aroused by Joseph's dream. God's dream inside us make us rich. We become rich with the dreams that God placed inside of us. There's stuff, it's not stuff that you can think up. It's not stuff that you can make up. It comes from the heart of God. And you're rich, rich in mercy. We prosper. The scripture says we prosper. That's not just talking about money. Matter of fact, that's probably one of the least on the list of things that God is talking about when he says we prosper, that we prosper even as our soul prospers. My soul don't need money. My soul doesn't use money. When you dream, you're going to be resented, criticized, and persecuted. And others are going to become jealous and envious. And if you're not the one with the dream, but you're the one who is criticizing and jealous and envious, you need to hit your knees. Because maybe the dream that somebody else has, you're supposed to play a part in that dream. And you need to be finding out what God wants you to do in support of that dream. I have a dream. And it didn't come from me. 
You know what my dream is. 500 people. That's scary. That's scary because I know all the work that it takes. I've been in a church of 4,000. I know what kind, of, what kind of work goes along with just 500 folks. But God will not give you a dream that he's not going to equip you to carry out, and he's not going to provide the means to carry out the dream. Quite honestly, he gave me the dream of 500, but I have a suspicion that the number is probably quite larger than the 500. But if he had told me that, oh, no, Lord. And I, and, and I kind of I, I think that because when I told somebody, I told somebody out that before I told everybody else, I told somebody that, and, and they had a larger number. We'll see. <laughs> There's a dream. Your dreams will also wake up other dreamers. The verse says that Joseph's father kept the matter in mind. Your courage to believe and hold to your dream will encourage and empower others to dream. Others to dream. Look at Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., his dream of equality of the races, and it inspired other dreamers. Next thing you need to have is you got to have commitment. Not only do you have courage, because you can have courage, but if you don't have commitment, what good is the courage? Without commitment, you'll quit when things get tough. Do we have quitters in here? Do we have any quitters in here? I hope not. I hope not. See, commitment is the mindset that says, I'm in it for the long haul. I'm not turning around. I'll reach my goal. I will die trying. There's no turning back. See, the dream of 500 people is we're going to do that. We're not going to change our mind. We're not going back and say, oh, well, I guess we'll just be content with 50 or 60 folks. No, we're not. God gave the dream. And there's a reason for the dream. It's not just to say, look what we built. We built a church of 500. No, we've been apprehended. We've been caught by God. Why? To bring the glory of God about in people's lives. Jesus was committed to his dream. And Lord knows he had persecution. But he stayed the course. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. We have got to be committed. Committed. Not wavering, not saying, committed. This will happen. It's not going to happen in my time. It's not going to happen in your time. It's going to happen in God's time. God will build as he builds. Our responsibility is to follow the dream step by step as the Holy Spirit leads us. Next thing we have to have, which, which falls right along with that, is what I've just been saying, is we have to have patience. See, because every, every dream is time-released, and God's the timekeeper. Dreams, our dreams are our destiny in seed form. And how many of you know sometimes seeds, well, most of the time, seeds have to grow in secret. They grow in secret. And then, see, there's a time. There's timing when we, when we begin to speak our dream. Because that has to grow. It has to, it's like having a baby. The baby has to grow and it develops before it's born. There's some things that God has to do in us and, and with us before the, the, the dream can be birthed.
grows in secret, but it manifests itself openly. I've never seen, I've never seen anything grow in the dirt and never, that grows and, and lives and, and, in, and it never shows itself. It always shows itself, except maybe gophers. <laughs> but if it's a seed, it starts out growing roots, it's building its foundation, and then it starts reaching for the sky. God said that we could see the kingdom in the things around us. That's an example. You see, many people get discouraged when they don't see the word spoken over them come to fruition in six months. See, I knew when we got here, I knew that God's plan for this church was not to stay at the number that we were at when we got here. Because the God, God gave me the scripture, Joel 2.24. And that scripture says that your threshing floor is full of grain. And your vats will overflow with new wine and oil. New wine is representative of the spiritual life. And the, our, our threshing floor is filled with grain. Grain is people. And the overflowing with oil is healing and anointing. That's what God gave that to me. And then, and I had expectations of things just, and somebody came one Sunday, and I don't remember who it was, but they, t uh, oh, it was, it was Karen Ming. First time she was here, she, and I was after service, she told me, she said, Lord, let me tell you something, that, that you have, you know, he's given you the dream, and, and there's things that you're going to see done. He said, she said, but the Lord says it's not going to be in your time. I was hoping in just a few months that we'd just explode, but no. Patience. We're talking about patience. Got to have patience. It's his time. He's the timekeeper. He knows the times and the dates. He knows the places that we're supposed to live and where we're supposed to go and who we're supposed to meet and who we're supposed to see and what the things that we're supposed to do. He knows all that. I don't, which is why I need a guide. And my guide is the Holy Spirit. Without him, I don't know where I'm going. See, but when we get ready to quit, when I don't see it happen so quickly, and then we're ready to just ah, forget it, and we we just and it's like the 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 scripture talks about in in Hebrews chapter ten verse thirty five. The service thirty seven says, "So do not throw away your confidence." See, we put our confidence in the dream. We put our confidence in God. And when those things aren't happening, we just get rid of the confidence. Well, we don't have confidence. Uh, I must have been. And he's saying, "Don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded." You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he's promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. Hebrews 6, 12. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Faith and patience. Faith and patience. We don't want to be patient. I don't want to be patient. I've used this before. You're standing in front of the microwave going, hurry up. <laughs> so we do standing before in front of God. Hurry up, God. I'm waiting here. But before you can give birth to that dream, you have to be impregnated with that dream. God has to give you that dream. You must get the word into your spirit before you can conceive. Somebody will give you a word, and until that gets into your spirit, it won't you won't conceive it. You won't, it'll never come to fruition. It, you know, it's one thing to have it here, but it's another thing to have it in your heart, in your spirit. 
And the, more, the way to get it into your spirit is the more you pray over it and confess and envision yourself completing the dream, that depends on how much you fast and pray over it. All the stuff we don't want to do. Because <laughs> we get inconvenienced. <laughs> but you've got to fast and pray. And confess it and see it. This morning I was praying and I said, God, thank you for that this place is full of people who are praying. And I began to see it. In my mind's eye, this place at 8.30 on Sunday morning full of people calling out to God. The next thing you have to have, so we've talked about, we have to have courage, commitment, patience. Now we have to have imagination. And imagination is the ability to form a mental picture or image of the thing desired or promised. It's the ability to see yourself living the promised reality, which your mind is in faith is embracing in your mind's eye. God gives you the promise and you begin to see it. You begin to, the scripture says to, to, to say, you confess those things that aren't as though they were. So you begin to confess that and say, God, I thank you for it. I thank you that this place is full. God, I thank you that this place that we have, this is full of people. I thank you, God, that we have an attendance of 500. I thank you, God, that you've, you've saved me. I thank you, God, that you've saved my kids. I thank you, God, that my grandkids are saved. I thank you, God. I believe it. I see it. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me read that to you in, in the Amplified. It says, now faith is the assurance or the title deed or the confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed. And the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. For by this kind of faith, the men of old gained divine approval. See, I don't see 500 people here physically, but I see 500 people here spiritually. I see people being saved. I see people being delivered. I see people being set free. I see people falling under the power of the Holy Spirit. Or like we used to say in the old days, slain, slain in the Spirit. They got the Holy Ghost. All up and down the aisles, all over the place. And people coming in and saying, hey, I heard there's something going on here. And we say, yeah, there is something going on here. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the dream. This is what God says about imagination. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. He's talking about the people at Tower of Babel. In other words, nothing would be held back from them that they had seen themselves doing before they did it. Imagination. I used to say I don't have an imagination, but you know what? I'm going to stop saying that. I'm going to start thanking God I have imagination. I thank God that I'm creative. I'm saying that by faith because at this point in time, I don't see the physical, the physical manifestation of that. <laughs> Thank God I'm creative. See, you need to see yourself healed. You need to see your kids off drugs. You need to see yourself walking in increased anointing. You need to see yourself fulfilling your ministry. What's God put in your heart? What dream has he given you? See yourself fulfilling that dream. Get the dream. Don't be afraid to imagine. God gave you the imagination in the first place. Use it. You know, when you were a little kid, I watched my grandkids when, I was, when they were here. 
My little granddaughter, she's just talking up a storm, playing with dolls and playing with Lego pieces that are put together. I said, what an imagination. Wow. She's six. How many of you had an imagination like that when you were six, and now that you're 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, you don't have an imagination like that anymore? Well, it's because you don't use your imagination. You use it or you lose it. So get in and start cultivating your imagination. See things the way God has said they should be. Imagine. I could see that. I can see it. You got to imagine yourself there, or you'll never be there. Scripture says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if you don't think that in your heart, you'll never be that. So I have to see myself as a pastor of 500, not a pastor of 80. You have to see yourselves as, as leaders and people that belong to a church of 500. You're not a church of 80. You're a church of 500. And we have a big, beautiful building. And it's full. And we have a great sound system. One with somebody actually sitting at it. And we have a baptistry in a wall with a, with, with a little, uh, you know, like a, a, I don't know what they call it, but it just, it comes out from the wall up above and there's a baptistry in there. And then while we're doing worship and praise that people are being baptized and we see it every week and there's people that we have worship teams and we have, you know, in-ear monitors so, it's, so that the people on the platform that are playing and singing, it's not so loud out here. And we have plenty of parking and we've got plenty of places for the kids because we're going to have all kinds of kids. We're going to have a kid's zone and we're going to have a, 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 util, a, a, a utility room, not a utility room, but a, but a, a place where the kids can, can have, you know, jump houses and there can be all kinds of stuff to keep them occupied and keep them creative and keep them wanting to be in church and places for Sunday school classes and places for people to go and pray and that place is going to be full of people that are praying during service that's my imagination at work folks it's my imagination and that's not it we're going to have plenty of room for storage And we're going to have a kitchen. And it's going to be a full-size kitchen with plenty of places for people to sit and eat. And we're going to have that place full all the time. And then we're going to get to a point where we're going to have to have two services because there's going to be more than 500 people. I'm pulling from a lot of other sources. (laughs) And people are going to come to our church because the power of the Holy Spirit is at work. And they're going to come because they know if they need something, they can come to our church. They need something spiritually. They can come and they can be discipled and they can be saved and they can be healed and they can be delivered. That's what I want our church to be. Remember I said that, you know, sometimes that you can't speak it right away. How many of you remember when we changed the name? How many of you remember how long it took me before I told you we were changing the name? Five months. Because you weren't ready for that when I, when I was. Imagination. You've got to see yourself or you're there. You'll never be there. The, na- the last thing that we need to have is we've got to have discipline. See, discipline is what keeps us on track and on course when circumstances, time, and the winds of adversity blow. When the resistance comes, we have discipline to stay on course. Discipline's not a four-letter word. 
literally and figuratively. See, it's discipline that turns weaklings into warriors. It turns dunces into valedictorians. It turns spiritual babies into mighty men and women of faith and valor. It keeps me moving toward my dream, even though everything in me says it won't happen. Discipline keeps me pressing ahead, keeps me praying, keeps me praising, keeps me anchored to my destiny. If you're going to be a dreamer, you got to have discipline. Another word for it, stick to itiveness. <laughs> stick to itiveness. Got to have it. Unwavering. Because if you're wavering, that means you don't have the faith for it. And if you're praying for it and you're, you're, you're wavering, that means you're not going to get it. I didn't say it. The Word says it. The Word says it. Look it up. Look it up. We're going to start making you look things up. Don't believe me. Look it up. Find it. You search it out. You do a Google search. Now, see, that's the thing about Google. It takes a lot of the work out of it. Because you can just type something in and it'll pop up four, five, six verses that say exactly what you just typed in. <laughs> How do you think I prepare sermons? <laughs> Google is my friend. Every person who was a dreamer and, effect, and affected change in history, they were dreamers. Eli Whitney. How many of you know who Eli Whitney was? He invented the cotton gin. That's one thing I remember from grade school. I remember studying, literally, I remember studying for that test. Eli Whitney invented the cotton gin. Benjamin Franklin, he's a dreamer. Henry Ford was a dreamer. The Wright brothers were dreamers. Martin Luther, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., he was a dreamer. They all changed. They had a dream and they all changed history and affected history because of their dreams. And let me tell you this, that the dreams that God gives you are going to affect people. Chiefly you. But they're not just for you. So therefore, changing the people and changing the circumstances and changing the dynamics around you. Everybody who was honored by God in the Bible were dreamers. Noah, we already talked about Noah. Abraham, Moses, Joseph, David, John the Baptist. They were all dreamers and they changed humankind. They changed the course of history. Can you imagine had any of those not said anything or they just left their dream to die? What would have happened? The great tragedy in the church is when we lose dreamers. I'm telling you this morning, wake up. Wake up those dreams. See, because dreamers are like spies who go ahead of us and spy out the land and bring us samples of the promises. You're a dreamer. See, you're going out and you're bringing back samples. I just gave you samples of what, what it's going to be like. Those are samples. I mean, it's not a grape as big as my head. Although it's a probably on par with that. <laughs> I know I'll make my head explode. But you see, the, the dreams that I have and the, the imagination that I just, you know, enumerated to you. See, God has, that's what I'm thinking, but God has more than that. Without dreamers, life becomes dull. 
uneventful, and routine. How many of you like dull, uneventful, and routine? Get tired of sitting on the couch watching the same old things all the time on the boob tube. Then you put it down and go to sleep, and then you wake up, and then it's... <laughs> 250 channels and not a single thing on that you want to watch. It was better when we had three. At least you knew it was quick. You go through and, oh, we're done. There's nothing on, so let's go out and play. Now we're just keep going, well, there's, you know, there's going to... Put on the guide. Well, it's getting close to time to change, so I'll start looking beyond the time we're at now. Nope, still nothing on. You know you do that. Oh, I do it all the time, brother. Or you get hungry and you go in the refrigerator and you look at it and you don't see anything in there. And you close the refrigerator and you go to the pantry and you look, there's nothing in there. Go back and sit down and do... Ten minutes later, you get up, you go, in a ref- you go in the kitchen, open a refrigerator, you look, there's still nothing in there. You go back to the pantry, look in there, still nothing in there to eat. You go back and sit down. <laughs> same old, same old. We got to get out of that rut, folks. Only difference between a rut and a grave is the size of the hole. See, it's kind of like, as dreamers, we're kind of like the, the, the spies who went into the land and spied out the promised land. And they brought back samples of what the promise. They brought back samples, but only two brought back a good report. I don't want to be the other ten. I want to be Joshua and Caleb. And bring back a good report. Dude, we can take them. Oh, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. That's your saying. That's not what they said. That's what you said. That's your impression. But the word says that I am mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. I'm a victor. I'm not a victim. I tread on scorpions and snakes. Every, the Satan is under my feet. I can drink deadly poison and it not hurt me. Don't go out and do it. Don't be like the snake folks down in the south. Don't do it. Because that's tempting God, folks. That's tempting God. God, I'm going to do this. Here, help me. That's how come, see, if it were true that they could do that, then not a single one of them would ever have been bitten. But see, it's like Paul when he was shipwrecked and he walked by the fire and the viper came out of the fire and latched onto his hand. Yeah, it hurt, but he just shook it off and he never, they expected him to die and he never suffered any effect of the poison from that viper. That's what God's talking about. It might hurt, but we're not going to suffer the effects of death from it. We're dreamers. We're dreamers. You're a dreamer. And I'm going to close with this, and I literally am. So, Karen, if you'd come back, please. It reminds me. Now, see, what, what kind of sermon would it be if I didn't give you a movie reference? Right? It would be odd. It would be out of character. Lord knows I'm a character. But it reminded me, I'm, ta- I'm, I'm going through this, and I get to this point as I'm putting this, preparing this, and, 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 and all of a sudden, it reminded me of a movie, the movie Uncle Buck. 
how did this remind you of Uncle Buck? And it reminded me of the scene when Uncle Buck goes in to meet the assistant principal. And the assistant principal, you know, hi, I'm Buck Melanoma. I'm Molly Russell's wart. Not her wart. No, not her wart. Her uncle. I'm her uncle. I'm Maisie Russell's uncle. So the, the, uh, the principal says, starts talking about his niece and says, I've been an educator for 32 point three years, and in that time, I've seen a lot of bad eggs. And I call them eggs because they're not fully developed yet at the elementary level. But I see your, your niece is a bad egg. She's a twiddler. She's a dreamer. She's a silly heart. And he says, she's only six. That's no excuse. I've heard that excuse. It's not an excuse. Then he goes on to say, I don't want to know a six. Oh, and then she also says, and she doesn't take her career as a student seriously. Six-year-old. He says, I don't want to know a six-year-old who takes their career as a student seriously. And I don't want to know a six-year-old who's not a twiddler and a dreamer and a silly heart. And I'm telling you, the reason that I said that is because you are dreamers. You are dreamers. God put dreams inside of you. He put them there. And they may have died. They may be a valley of dry bones. But God is bringing back your dreams the dreams that he put inside of you and he's bringing them back together and he's going to breathe life back into your dreams. How many of you have a dream this morning? How many of you had a dream and it died and you never thought it would be resurrected? You thought it was gone for good. I'm telling you this morning that that dream is coming back to life. Let's all stand, please. Dare to dream. David, dare to dream. God has things for you to do. Mighty things for you to do. And he's going to put dreams inside your heart. Follow those dreams. And that goes for everybody else in this room too. God has a dream for you. And God has placed a dream in your heart. Listen to the enemy. Don't listen to the criticizers. Don't listen to the naysayers. Don't listen to those people who want to rain on your parade. Oh no, you'll never make it. Oh, that can't be from God. Yeah, it is. And God, I speak right now over every person in this room, the dreams that you have had in the past that have died, they will be resurrected. And in Jesus' name, you're going to have people come alongside you and to confirm the dreams that God has placed in your hearts. He's going to confirm it by the word and he's going to confirm it by the mouths of two or three witnesses, the dreams and desires that he has in your heart. How many of you want that? How many of you want your dreams to be resurrected? Then raise both hands and start praising God for the dreams that he's given you. Thank him for resurrecting the dreams. Thank him for aligning the dreams with his purposes. Thank him. Out loud. Come on, folks. Out loud. Out loud. You got to confess it. Confess those dreams. Say, God, I speak it out. Speak out that dream. Whatever it was in your heart, speak it out. What God put there, you speak it out. Verbalize it. Don't keep it in your head. Speak it out. Because when you speak, it, in, it engages your faith. And it encourages you. 
Thank you, Jesus, for the dreams. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for touching people's lives. Thank you, God, that every person in this place is a part of your plan and they have a dream that you've given them to fulfill your plan and to bring about the glory of God in this city, bring about the glory of God in this church, in this state, in this county. God, you have a plan and a purpose for them. Lord, may we walk in it. May we walk in it and be obedient to it, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If you've had a dream of playing a musical instrument and you've never learned, now's the time. Now's the time. God is saying, now's the time. I don't know who it is, but there's somebody in here. You had a dream of playing some type of musical instrument. And you may have started when you were a child. And you either grew tired of it or something happened and they were to- and somebody told you you were no good. But I'm telling you. I'm telling you that God says he put the ability in you to do that. You need to develop it. Develop it. That instrument may even be your voice. There's a plan and a purpose. Everything has a purpose under heaven. God is calling you to fulfill your purpose. And be a dreamer. Think about the most outrageous thing you can think of to do for God. Are you thinking? What is it that you can think of in your heart, the most outrageous thing that you can think of to do for God? And begin to see yourself doing it. Begin to thank God that I'm doing it. Begin to thank God that he's given you that dream.